0: Never, ever marks the spot.
1: I am altering the deep. Pray I don't offer it any further.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that believes a real smart TV would adjust its own volume when you start eating chips. My name is Grill B. this evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter.
1: Here. <laughs>
0: what? What's going on, man?
1: <laughs> Not much. That's a pretty good one. Um, yeah, it's so it's so annoying when you're watching TV and you eat some chips because it's never the audible sound of the chips like outside of your head it's always like that interior chip munching sound that really you can't turn the volume up high enough to uh to get over that it's a it's it's a frustrating problem <laughs> it's it, a first world problem if you will <laughs> it is uh, a frustrating problem <laughs> so anyway man how's your week been uh it's been pretty good um we are officially past the official uh, cosplay holiday, as some people might call it. <laughs> no, uh, Cal- Halloween is over with, and uh, that the kind of happened in the... Cosplay holiday. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Yeah, um, Halloween's over with, and uh, uh, it, it kind of fell in the middle of the week this week, so I've been just kind of... I guess that's taken up a lot of my time this week, so I haven't done too much craziness outside of, like... Halloween parties and trick-or-treating and stuff but that was always a blast
0: did you get a blizzard by you
1: yes yeah so it was uh it's really frustrating because uh I really wanted to take my son uh trick-or-treating like I knew he was so excited for it but it was like a couple hours before trick-or-treating time for us it was just yeah it was literally like a blizzard outside and I was like this is gonna really suck if we aren't able to go, but uh, luckily the snow stopped and we were able to take him out. And uh, we actually walked around for like a little under two hours, I want to say, and it was pretty nice. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> How uh, about you? Do you you have a good
0: holiday and all that? <laughs> well, I worked. Um, the police. <laughs>
1: nice. Uh,
0: if this is your first time listening to the show, um, I work in law enforcement. <gasps> Police department asked if I wanted to stay late and help hand like get get some extra overtime on um, like do a support shift so assist as needed but help hand out candy to kids so I actually had a lot of fun um, driving around neighborhoods and nice handing out candies like waving at the parents and kids would wave at you and then you're like you know but it what felt weird and I'm not gonna lie what felt weird is you're driving through a neighborhood do you want some candy <laughs> I. <laughs> I understand I'm in a, I understand I'm in a Mark squad car, but
1: still it felt weird. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's pretty great. But uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, other
0: than that, it was actually, um, that was probably the best part was just to uh, interact with the kids and say hi. And I got to see some really cool costumes. Actually, there was this one little girl. She was dressed as Wednesday Adams. Uh, she was probably like Seven. Nice, um, and she had this like really well put together Wednesday Adams costume. And then she even had a little fake hand like up on her, the top of her head. So she had a thing okay. that kind of mount, like almost like it was like part of her hair, like kind of like on her, I don't know if it was a wig or like they found a way to mount it in her hair or something like that, but, um, it was mount. It was really cool looking. So nice.
1: That's that was awesome. probably my
0: favorite one I saw.
1: Um, you know what costume I saw quite a bit this year, which really surprised me, and I don't know what it is, but I'm seeing a lot of hamburglers this year. <laughs> I did, and I don't know why. Cause, of course So you we are. went to this—what's that? I said, of course you are. Yeah. <laughs> so we went to this uh, Halloween party. It was like a adult-centric Halloween party, sure. and uh, there was somebody there dressed as the Hamburglar, and it's like, oh, that's, that's crazy. I haven't seen the Hamburglar for years. And then uh, when we went trick-or-treating, we also saw there was two kids uh, running around who were dressed as Ronald McDonald and the Hamburglar. And these kids had, like, great costumes. Like, they just looked spot-on really good. And I'm just like, it's weird that I've seen, like, two Hamburglar's in a row but then you know I log onto the social medias and I've got I'm <laughs> seeing like people I knew from high school who are dressing up as the Hamburglar this year and I don't know what's going on why like so many people have Hamburgling on the mind but uh that was a, that was probably my biggest uh, surprise <laughs> with this I like holiday how you call this year
0: hamburgering so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well you see when you go to a party and you see a hamburglar yeah, and yeah. then you it keeps popping up. You come up with some more uh, Hamburglar uh, phrases and jokes. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, good stuff.
0: Um, all right. Uh, well, uh, well, your costume, by the way, the picture I saw of it looked really good. So, well done for doing Jack
1: Sparrow. Yeah, yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, that yeah. one was uh, it, I think it came together pretty well. It's literally. It consisted of like one trip to the to like a thrift store where I, where I bought like I bought like this oversized dress shirt, this like vest, some pants, um, a bunch of belts to use and stuff. And then I kind of just filled in the gaps with stuff from Spirit Halloween. So I got, you know, a prop pirate sword, um, you know, some like pirate boot leg bracer things so that uh, my, my feet didn't look goofy in the costume and stuff. But it really was like pretty easy to put together and like my only regret with it is that I didn't really make anything for this costume like I feel like looking at years past I usually have like you know you have to make a paper mache mask or you have to make something and my costume this year was literally just random stuff that I put together but I think it turned out pretty well um and then my, my only regret with it is I think if I ever do this costume again, I'm going to get a better shirt. Because like I said, I kind of got just like this oversized dress shirt from Goodwill. But I think I want to get like a more piratey, like official pirate sort of shirt, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, I, I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. um Well, all right, man.
0: Let's uh
1: let's get into it. What do we watch?
0: Would you read anything? Yeah, not a ton rough for week. me <laughs> this week. Um,
1: OK, what's that? I said rough week. Not a chance to lie <laughs> Not a big opportunity. Anyway. <laughs> um, no, for me, the only thing I've really uh, been watching is uh, my wife and I started watching the show Wolf Like Me on uh, Peacock. Are you familiar with this one at all, Drew? Um, I saw it. I
0: saw it somewhere like in that list of like shows. You know what I mean? When okay. You see, like, things you should watch or recommends, but I have no clue what it is, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. So th- this is a pretty fun show. I feel bad cuz I uh, I didn't look up the actress's name, but it stars uh Josh Gad and uh mm, okay. Uh it's also the actress she's the um the red-haired woman uh from Wedding Crashers who's kind of like Vince Vaughn's love interest in that movie. Oh, I love um, Yes, yes. There you go. Um yeah, so she she's uh it's her and Josh Gad in this series and uh it's basically like It's a horror series, technically, because it centers around the idea of werewolves. But it's really like a romantic drama, I want to say, because it's really about how you have Josh Gad, who's this kind of like, he's the single father. Um, His wife died like years before the show starts. And uh, he's kind of just really struggling with uh, raising his daughter and relating to her and stuff. And uh, it's one of those like, serendipitous love stories where he meets uh, Isla Fisher's character and uh, they kind of like hit it off. And it's one of those serendipitous things like they end up meeting in this really crazy way. Um, All these coincidences happen and it feels like the universe is trying to pull them together. The only problem is, and this is a minor spoiler, but if you watch the first episode, you'll be able to figure it out. uh, She's actually a werewolf. (laughs) So that's like the major wrench in the gears. And she like really doesn't want to be in a committed relationship or, you know, join a family and stuff because she has this, uh you know, she, she turns into a werewolf once a month yeah. and that's going to really cause some issues. The thing is, when I say that it's a romantic drama, that's how it feels like right away. And my favorite part of the series, um, we just started season two tonight. So the series is pretty quick moving. Like the first season is six episodes. Each episode is a half hour long. Like you can watch this really fast. Um, But season two, by the time season two started, I started to realize there's a lot of humor on the show, but it's very dry. Like you can watch the show and take it completely seriously, but you'll start to slowly notice like Oh, no, there's a lot of humor, but it's really, really dry and really subtle. And I've kind of been really enjoying that aspect of it. Um, And it, it is it is kind of refreshing to have like, you know, kind of a horror sort of thing that doesn't focus a lot on like the gore and the blood and the guts and stuff like that and uh here and there you do see bits of like sort of like the gore and some of the practical like monster effects uh splattered in for lack of a better term but i think it's like it's done in a cool way that like when they do bring that stuff in it's either just really jarring or really humorous and uh i think it's it's a pretty fun series so far so that's about that's about it for me but i've been i've been enjoying the show from what i've seen sometimes
0: you know? sometimes the uh subtle humor subtle dry humor yeah better to be completely honest like you know like when you a really good example of a movie with a lot of dry humor is uh oceans 11 um there's right, right. some really funny moments in that movie and it's because of like the dead or the like silent response or the line that You know, it's a throwaway line, but on a rewatch, you're like, "Oh my god, that's hilarious!" You know what I mean? Like, so sometimes that stuff can be better. So I totally hear you. Um, Yeah, I didn't really know what this was, so thanks for the review
1: on that. Um, Oh, sure thing. Yeah. Did you anything else? That's really like pretty much it for me this week. So uh, how about you? Do you watch anything crazy or? So first off,
0: um, in my realm of trying to keep up with comic books and everything, I have been reading a lot of Injustice. Um, oh, crazy. Like okay. I've been picking up here and there. Like, I pick up, I read an episode or two, issue or two, and then I okay. put it down and I read a little bit more and I read a little bit more. Um, this comic series is just bonkers, and it's amazing in so many light ways. Um, if you don't know DC's Injustice, um, I'm, on the fr- I'm on Injustice, which is like 70, it's like 100 and some issues. And then there's Injustice 2. So I'm planning on reading both. And the yeah. other one is, I want to say, like, it's another 70 to 100 issues. um, But it it almost is like. I honestly feel so. All right. How do I word this? It's very clear Zack Snyder when he was making the Justice League movie, Batman v Superman, all that stuff. I think he was really trying to predicate on the idea of I want to do this right. But I really like this injustice storyline. I really think he was like, going for something like that. Yeah. For some yeah. stuff which is great like i think that's really cool what he was uh, setting out to try and accomplish um at the same <clears> time <throat> um injustice uh at the same time like zach snyder's trying to do that this is like almost like a precursor for what the developers of the boys were going for um homelander being the superman character and being a complete sociopath you know what i mean But this is like Superman in Unjustice. He kills the Joker because the Joker kills Lois Lane. So Joker, it's the whole thing starts. Joker kills Lois Lane. Yeah. Superman in a like fit of rage kills the Joker, which is a slippery slope. And now the question is, what's up? And then Superman's like, no more bullshit. And just starts judge jury executioner, like taking everything into his own hands and just dealing with it, which becomes a point for certain characters which draws which basically draws a line and the superheroes ultimately go to war with each other and then the villains are like taking sides with the superheroes and stuff and it's kind of it's really kind of cool but there's certain like shocking moments and i'm going to spoil some stuff just because i it's amazing um superman killing oliver queen um right in You know in the dark knight returns they have that little side story where oliver queen is missing an arm and you're wondering how that happened well because superman ripped his arm off in a conflict at some point so in this superman actually kills oliver queen so black canary is like on a straight vendetta against superman um uh, batman's chosen his side uh the green lanterns become into play with it and eventually, like Sinestro sides with Superman and tries to help, and the Yellow Lanterns are trying to protect Earth, so the Green Lanterns are trying to come and take down the Yellow Lantern, so it ignites this whole war. And then, in the midst of all of it, um, Hal Jordan gets the. In the midst of it, the Guardians strip Hal Jordan of his rank, so he's no longer a Green Lantern. And then Sinestro is like, "Well, here you go," and hands him a yellow ring. You know what I mean?
1: And then yeah, and I don't know how far have you read, by the way. <laughs> I know you, um, a I know you decent chunk, like you the first, the first like trade or two, but I don't know how many issues it actually was. Okay. <laughs> so
0: eventually, You actually
1: you're... might be farther than me, but I, I am picking up on a lot of the uh, plot points you're mentioning. Right. So.
0: Well, eventually there's a point where um, uh, Black Canary, like in this whole, like it's like this, like Hail Mary kind of a moment where they're going to take down Superman and they have this plan devised, right? And it's all being coordinated. Batgirl and Batman are in the uh, in the like the Batcave coordinating everyone with the logistics. Everyone's got their role to play. Black Canary is literally carrying a pistol with a kryptonite round in it, like one kryptonite bullet. Um, And they get to a point where she's close enough, takes the shot. Superman goes down. Black Canary calls in the Green Lanterns. Everyone's going to rush to get him, whatever. While she's doing so, one of the Yellow Lanterns is killed And the ring, because Superman in his fit of rage has been instilling all this fear on the planet, the ring from the dead yellow lantern chooses Superman as its wielder, flies down, joins with Superman. So he technically becomes a yellow lantern and then using the ring creates this like yellow force, like almost like these like tongs, reaches into his body, pulls out the kryptonite bullet. And then, like, charges up as Yellow Lantern <laughs> Superman. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> but it's, like, so bonkers. And it's so amazing at the same time. Like, it's so much fun to read. And I'm almost like, this is what we need to be doing. Like, do this. If they did it as an animated program, I know they have the movie. I know they have that one-shot animated DC film. In yeah. Disney, which, fine. But I really feel like it. it's kind of like... Do it as Justice League Unlimited, like that style of a show. Like, let's just go, uh, as hardcore as we can, and like do it justice. Um, but it's so much fun to read. So I just, I just want to say, hey, I'm working on these through these comics. It's a lot of fun.
1: So, yeah, that's right. awesome. Injustice. Um, I need to catch up on it. It's like such a fun, like you said, it's such a fun bonkers storyline. And uh, I remember when. And I I don't know, is the Injustice series still being published? I really haven't been paying attention to it. I have no idea. Much. I'm like I said, this is the this is the I don't have time to read
0: comics the way I wish I had time to read comics. So I'm very behind on both DC and <laughs> Marvel. And some of it's me picking up going, I never read that. Let me check it out.
1: Yeah. So yeah. because um, what I was going to say is I know Injustice for a while was like the number one or like one of the top DC releases for like a long time. And uh, it's funny because it's like technically like a non-canon thing. And I know there's a lot of people who have issues with like, I don't care what the circumstances are. Superman never would turn that evil. And I think that's, there's some arguments there too, but at the same time, it's like not necessarily about that. It's like about creating this crazy scenario that puts all of your favorite DC heroes against each other in one way or another. And, uh, um, I don't know. I just, I just think it's really interesting that this was like the number one story and it like really goes to show that <laughs> deep down comic book fans just want to see their favorite heroes fight. <laughs> I think there's something yeah, to do we that. Do. So, <laughs> we do. um,
0: so yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've been reading that. And then the one thing I did go do, I went and saw – I got to – I feel like I haven't been in a movie theater in quite some time. Life is just crazy. Mini. Right. So I went and saw Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, sweet. How is that? Yeah. So the movie is a lot of fun in a general sense. Um, the animatronics and everything were really cool. The um, I, It was more of a thriller than a horror film. It was more of a um, – Yeah, ultimately it was more of a thriller than a horror film. Um, One thing that I was having trouble with walking in was uh, so Josh Hutcherson. Josh Hutcherson, if I said that right, um, from Hunger Games, he's the main character, and he's got this little girl in tow in the trailer, and I was like, I don't know if I see him as a dad figure. Well, the little girl ultimately is his little sister, so it's like okay, and you know, like (laughs) you know, okay, (laughs) so dad figure out of the way. Matthew Lillard's in the movie. He's fantastic. Um, But the story itself is, if you don't know the Five Nights at Freddy's storyline, the story covers itself really well. Um, My knowledge of the series is mostly just of the video games. I don't know the lore the way some people do. And this is for some reason, for some reason, and I'm not knocking this at all. Like, I think it's really cool. It just surprises me for such a simple video game that you play primarily like on your phone. (laughs) Um, or like tablets and stuff, because I think that's where it originated. There is a very deep lore to this story. Yeah. Um, and that's the part that amazes me a little bit. Um, one thing that I got really excited about and I didn't know until the end, until the movie was over. Um, first off, there is a bonus scene, uh, mid credits, and then there's something, there's an audio cue at the end of the credits. It's not a bonus scene. There's just something for like, if you're a super fan, there's something for you at the end. Um, but, uh, this audio so I was like wading through the audio cue and I read credits, but Jim Henson's creature shop did all the animatronics and puppetry for, um, (laughs) the movie. And that made me really excited. I'm like, Oh my gosh. You know, I got really excited about that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was cool. There wasn't. Uh, and when I say like, you know, there, and when I say it's not really a horror film and more of a thriller, like the jump scares didn't even get me normally. Like when there's a jump scare, you might jump a little bit, but it's, it was almost like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, and I don't know, maybe I'm desensitized or something. I don't know. It just, it didn't get me. And I was like, all right, then again, I don't normally watch horror movies in a theater. So I usually reserve that stuff for at home and the jumps and the scare stuff usually gets me more because you're in your own house. Yeah. And eventually the movie's going to be over and you're going to be sitting in the dark. So
1: there is that. Yeah, I, I agree that with that. Um, did you go to see this with your kid or by yourself? Yes, I, or, did. Uh, I did. OK, cool. Was was he like super psyched about it? I feel like a lot of the uh, well <laughs> younger generation. is really embracing were so, this we were movie. supposed
0: to go together. And then he went the night before without me with his friends. And then the next day was like begging me to go see it. I'm like, dude, you just saw it. And he's like, yeah, I know we got to go. that's awesome like okay (laughs) so that's kind of how that went down but you know
1: that's great I I really want to watch this one it's kind of weird that it's in theaters because it's also streaming I think it's streaming on Peacock as well right now so it's Um, streaming
0: on Peacock if you have a Peacock membership
1: right so Um, like so yeah
0: Peacock and then there's the Peacock that you have to pay for so if you're paying for Peacock yes um, and that's where that was the loophole. I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to the theater. So, yeah, <laughs> Right
1: on. Um, I'm, I might I'm probably going to be watching this really soon, but uh, it's good to hear that it was a good time. Um, also, I think they just probably kept in mind that this is like a very I'm assuming PG-13 uh, horror movie. Like, I think they knew that a lot of um, younger kids were going to be into this one. So maybe that's why some of the scares and some of the gore and stuff was. Uh, to, tune down, if you will. Um, well, they also were shooting for a PG-13 rating, so they can get the higher... Uh,
0: um, box office uh, dollars, the right? higher box office dollars, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah good call. I'm pretty, sure um, it, I'm pretty sure it did well enough to be...
1: Um, you know, get a sequel, because, you know, but... Now you just need to watch, um, I don't know if you've watched Willie's Wonderland with uh, Nicolas Cage yet, but uh, now you need to watch that because that's like a weird, weird, weird indie film that's like very inspired by Five Nights at Freddy's as far as I know, so. <laughs> right. I, I don't know how familiar how familiar you are with Willie's Wonderland at all, but I thought it was a really fun and just bizarre movie, so. um.
0: But yeah, I'm not at all, but other than that, <laughs> sorry, it's just I, as it's I all good. Like, threw me off just a minute. they like, no, I'm not familiar with that at all. Um, but yeah, so ultimately the movie was fun. I definitely recommend it, especially if you're looking forward to seeing it. I think you'll have a good time seeing it. Um, there's uh, the yeah, my only complaint was I think I wanted it to be scarier. I thought it was going to be um, they didn't. I don't think they played up the um the jaws effect i guess is the best way of wording it you know how you don't see the shark yeah um they didn't like in the video game you're in the security room and then like the creatures are like the the animatronics are on screen and then suddenly they're not on screen i don't think they did enough of that and that's one that's the only really negative i have on the movie is that like i my knowledge of the game was expecting that to be like a scary point but you know, Blumhouse makes good movies in general, so
1: yeah. Yeah, I I feel like that's a pretty core part of of the game. So I'm actually now really curious to see well there was <laughs> how there much they play that up or not. Yeah, well, that's
0: the thing. Like I said, there's it's the issue of um, <laughs> it's the issue of adapting it to screen and the deep lore that they had to dig into. You know, and that's the what they're like they had a lot of ground to cover in one movie especially like in a movie that not that they were planning on getting sequels but we don't know if they're supposed to get a sequel so they could have been literally like trying to do this in the sense of let's do everything we can because we don't this might be our only shot at it true true you know and sometimes they'll do that and then they're gonna go you know that's that's kind of how Christopher Nolan tackled uh, Batman Begins. It's like, I'm just going to do this the way I think it should be done because it might be the only one I do. You know, so.
1: Yeah, that that I can definitely see that point. And I still haven't seen this movie, so I can't comment it on on it sure. too much. But I also do think there is a there is a value to just giving somebody like you can do an adaptation of something, but if it's a very big lore base that you're trying to translate to the screen, like, I also think it's okay to just give people a taste of what the actual thing is and, you know, kind of, like, leave them wanting more and not try to force too much um, lore into one movie. Like, I think there's some value in that as long as, like, the slice of the original thing that you're showcasing is very true to the original source, if that makes sense. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Um,
0: But, yeah, that's about it for my review on Five Nights at Freddy's. Go see it. It it was fun. Cool, Um, cool. uh, But, yeah, that's about it for me, too, in terms of watching and reading. So, you want to talk about news? Yeah, let's go for it. I feel like my mind is all over the place tonight. I don't really know why. (laughs) Um, But, whatever. All right. So, a bunch of Marvel stuff dropped, and I don't know how true it is. A lot of this is rumor. So, this is... some of it in my opinion could be spoilery so we'll get to that momentarily um a quick hit thing uh we talked uh we know house of the dragon season two is currently set to premiere uh summer of 2024 so next summer awesome however uh one series we haven't heard about in a while is the other prequel series uh night of seven kingdoms um and it's good to hear an update. It is currently set to start shooting in 20 in spring of 2024. So nice. that's going to be shooting while House of the Dragon season two is airing. Um What's nice about that is House of the Dragon season two is able to shoot admit all the strike nonsense. So it's good to know that this doesn't isn't affected either. And they're able to go in front of cameras. So we're going to get that. Um there is a concept and? image. There is a sorry. There's a concept no, image that got released that looks pretty cool, but it's literally a concept image. So I don't know if it's actual on set or what, uh, because if it's getting ready to start shooting, there's a lot of principal stuff that have been done, like costumes and test footage. Like there's got to be some test footage that has been captured just from like costume designs and that kind of thing. So
1: you were saying no, just it's it's interesting because um, out of all these like huge studio um, tv shows and stuff that got halted during the writer's strike you have uh, house of the dragon was able to keep filming and now you have this thing that um i know i mentioned it when we were talking about you know our list about all the productions that are back on the table now that now that the strike is over and i did mention this one and uh i think it's just interesting i didn't know that this show was going to be filming this soon and uh It's pretty crazy because it's almost it almost seems like we're going to be getting really closely released Game of Thrones shows, which is pretty awesome because I feel like it's just going to strengthen Game of Thrones presence uh, in the world of like nerddom, if you will, because we're going to have a drought of a drought of mcu stuff a drought of star wars stuff like a drought of like a lot of these really big franchises that had to go on hold but then game of thrones is still churning stuff out and i think it's gonna really like you know what i mean like it's gonna really make them like at the forefront because they're gonna be still delivering the um delivering the goods you know in 2024 and beyond where I feel like next year we're going to have a huge drought of entertainment, unfortunately, because of the strike. You know what I mean? (laughs) We Got a drought already. I just
0: think people realize how affected we all are yet. Um, So, yeah, like I think I think the real effect hasn't hit just yet. So
1: I I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting, like next summer to see like how many blockbuster movies are actually coming out and how that's all going to play out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Um,
1: Moving on. Uh, Highlander reboot with Henry
0: Cavill from director, John Wick director is really happening. Cool. Um, So yeah, hopefully, hopefully this does go because Henry Cavill's career has so many ups and downs. I hope. Um, I hope this is a real thing and, uh, I just, I want to see him play with some swords again. So let's see a Highlander reboot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right on. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so that's a quick one. Um, the hunger games play is heading to the stage in London in 2024. Um, a hunger games play is headed to the stage in London between this New play and a big screen prequel movie coming in November. It's a good time to be a Hunger Games fan. A Hunger Games play? I'm glad it's not a musical, but a Hunger Games play? I don't know. Um, I I don't know. I have a so, lot. Of, I have a lot of questions, but go ahead. <laughs>
1: um, I haven't seen it, but um, you haven't seen Hunger? this reminds. No, no, I mean, I've seen Hunger Games, but uh, no, this reminds me a bit of uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which I haven't seen, but that's the Harry Potter oh, um, right. yes. production yes. they were doing over there. I, I have read the uh, the book or the script, if you will, and it is a really fun, um, you know, tale within the Harry Potter world. But um, from what I've heard about Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is that they the level of special effects for that production was just absolutely insane and it was like one of those like live action play performances that you would go and see and you would be questioning afterwards like how did they do this and i i just can't wrap around my head how they did that and like i guess it's just it was just that high of a production level and who knows maybe the hunger games maybe they're going to be able to pull off something similar so that's that's my only thoughts is like it sounds ridiculous but you never know it might end up being pretty badass you know (laughs) right
0: um you got a point there and i'm dead on with that um so all right let's talk about some marvel stuff shall we okay so like i said some of these are rumors one of them feels like a massive spoiler so i will warn you before i do it um and one of them is just pure funny so first off uh marvel reportedly reveals the working title for the fantastic four film um, it'll be titled Fantastic Four Blue Moon. Um, I don't really know what I get out of that. I don't know. I'm not familiar enough with the Fantastic Four comic books enough to know if that rings a bell with anyone like, oh, I know what story arc they're doing. You know, like when they said uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, everybody freaked out. Right. Because we knew exactly what we were talking about. Um or anyone who keeps up with comic books knew exactly what they were talking about. I don't know Fantastic Four's uh, lineup well enough to know if this is a specific story arc. But I'm down for whatever Blue Moon
1: is. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind um, of right there with you. Not a lot to say, but uh, yeah. not a bad title. So <laughs> not um, Mahershala
0: Ali was almost ready to exit Blade Yes. Uh, Over script issues. However, Michael Green, the writer of Logan, um, has been hired to write the script from scratch with the film now being made on a budget of less than 100 million, uh, which is a small budget for a movie like this. However, it's the guy who wrote Logan. And I don't remember Logan costing a ton, but Logan was a fantastic film. Yes, we give a lot of credit to James Mangold. But I'm a big believer in the script, like the writer is king and um, the the script is where you're going to get a lot of your story. They have to bring it to life and they have to put it on camera for sure. But you got to have a good story, too. And um, having some like Logan is just a really good place to start. Like, hey, this is a solid film. It did well. Um, he knew what he was doing. He knew how to tackle this, you know, franchise. Let's. Give him Blade, too, you know, so I thought this was great news and I'm good to know that Mahershala Ali is not gone. (laughs) Um, I do feel like Blade's been got put in the back burner for whatever reason. But,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy because I feel like the budget that's announced for this movie is it does seem super low in comparison to like all these big budget superhero films and stuff. But then if you think of this as a vampire movie or a horror movie, the budget actually doesn't sound like it's that small. So I guess that's just something to keep in mind. And, you know, you never know, are we going to get like this crazy special effects fest with this? Or are we going to get some more like subtle sort of uh, smart storytelling with the blade movie and uh, judging by, um, you know, Log- Logan and other movies that we've gotten from this director, I feel like, it might be a little bit more of a subtle thing, but you can also do some really cool, ominous stuff with that, since, you know, Blade has that sort of dark vampire sort of focus to it. So I'm kind of just glad that this movie's still going. You know, I'm glad that uh yeah. Mahershala Ali, however you pronounce his name, like I'm glad that he's still there, that he didn't leave the prod project, and they've got a good director for it and uh Yeah, I'm just excited for this to finally get made, you know what I mean? mean,
0: He's a really great actor, and I think he's a really good choice for Blade. I don't know, like, in a post-Wesley Snipes world, I don't know if there's another actor I would have chosen for that
1: role. So That's an interesting interesting question, and I feel like we could really, (laughs) if we wanted to, we could really start uh, pulling names out of the hat. But I kind of agree with what you're saying. Like, he seems like a really good fit for the role. I'm glad you think that's a great point. And I'll explain later tonight at the
0: end of the episode why I think that's a great point. Anyway, um, this is a big one. All right. Uh, Jonathan Majors, who plays Kang the Conqueror. um, We didn't really cover this heavily on the show because I don't like getting into a lot of the real world skin stuff on the show because unless it really affects things and we don't know how it affects things yet. There's a lot of stuff in there because if you start getting into some of those real world scandal stuff, we got to start possibly offering up opinions. And I don't want to say the wrong thing because it's not my place. Uh, but Jonathan majors was involved in some domestic abuse scandal issues. And in the midst of all of it, he has been arrested. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean he's out. That just means that he's been arrested. Right. So um, the issue we have right now is that, uh, because of Jonathan Majors' arrest, Marvel executives are rumored to be considering to pivot to a Doctor Doom storyline instead of a Kang storyline. Um, I think not nothing against Kang or Jonathan Majors, but I thought they were going Doctor Doom anyway <laughs> before we found out that one of the Avengers films was titled The Kang Dynasty. Um, especially with the fact that we're moving towards Secret Wars. Doctor Doom is a more
1: pivotal role in the Secret Wars storyline to begin with. Thoughts? I I think we're like um, kind of like two phases. Like Secret Wars is going to end Phase 6, and we're just at the beginning of Phase 5. So I think that's the only thing is like I think they are moving towards Doctor Doom, because especially how the uh, sort of um, – the second version of secret wars played out in the comics. But I think that, uh, I think there's just enough time that they can't, that they could have, uh, kang in there is like kind of the main villain of uh phase five i I think that's kind of what i assumed they were going with and um as far as like jonathan major's uh allegations and stuff and i don't really know the truth and all that because i've heard people argue either side and i feel like it's not it's really not our podcast place to really even point fingers because i really don't know enough details on it at all but um it's interesting that they're trying to get away from Kang now, so I feel like they're just maybe fast-tracking some of the Doctor Doom stuff, which is kind of, I guess it just kind of depends, you know, are you more of a Kang guy, or are you a bigger Doctor Doom stan, you know, where do you sit on this, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't, I don't really know what to think of the whole thing. If that I, yeah, yeah I, it's, it's hard to there's,
0: there's not much to say right now. That's why like some of it's is it's rumor and speculation. The other thing, the other big one is Marvel has recently rumored recently had talks about bringing back the original cast for a new Avengers movie, which would include reviving Iron Man and Black Widow. But they haven't committed to the idea yet. Uh, the resource comes from Variety. Um, here's what I got to say about this. And I assume you're I, I think you might agree with me at this point. So, one, when Black Widow died, when Iron Man died, everyone got all emotional. When Black Widow died, I feel like we didn't hear enough people whine and moan about Black Widow, except for me, who was just angry. And because I really like Black Widow, I didn't want her to go. Someone had to. I get it. I understand that scene. It's fine. And not like I wanted it to be Hawkeye over Black Widow. I was just angry about it. And I never went through the full stages of grief with the Black Widow death because when an endgame is on TV, I'm just still angry about it. Um so Reviving Black Widow and Iron Man. Okay. I feel like I really do feel like all of us should have seen this coming. Mostly because we're talking about a multiverse here and we're talking about secret wars and utilizing different variants of different characters because Loki opened up the timeline crap. So here we are with the variants. So seeing Tony Stark again, it won't be the Tony Stark. We know because that one died, but this is another one from a different timeline. Same thing with black widow. So on and so on. Maybe it's the better version, but ultimately I feel like we all should have seen it coming. So even the average moviegoer should not be surprised by this. <laughs> True. So that's just my thoughts on this. Like, yeah, Not surprised is kind of how I am with it. If this is true, I'm not surprised. I feel like it was always there in the cards for us to have this happen. Yeah, just just my thought. So I don't know if you have anything to add to that, because the next story is going to um, really cement my idea.
1: But go ahead. Uh, It's it's hard to know what to say. I just feel like it's the MCU is in a weird place, and I think. For, like, a while now, like, we would talk about it on the podcast, Drew, and I feel like whether we were talking about MCU fatigue or just uh, different things that have been going on, I feel like there's some of the the fact that they are in a weird place has been kind of evident, but I feel like stories like this um, coming out does make you question things more and makes just the whole state of it kind of evident as as far as, like, The MCU from the beginning always seemed to have like this really clear, concise plan. And now it feels like we're getting all these stories like they might ditch Jonathan Majors and focus on Dr. Doom. And they were thinking or might be thinking of bringing the original Avengers team back. And it just it's just weird to hear. And it's one of those things. It's like, do you want to trust the original laid out phase outline that they had or do you want to just see how they're going to switch it up? and uh, how things are going to play out, but I feel like, I mean, you watch the first three phases, and you get to Infinity War and Endgame, and you have that core Avengers team, and so many of them were killed off, you know, when you're you're left with, like, Thor, the Hulk, and uh, Hawkeye, and uh, it's kind of just like, you know, maybe your favorite character from the MCU is kind of not present in phase four at all, and I don't know if that contributes to mcu fatigue at all i don't really know what to make of it but it is interesting to hear this stuff and uh kind of like the jonathan major story i'm not really sure what my thoughts on it are yet you know it's there's a lot to unpack there and there's a lot to uh come to terms with if you will so yeah um
0: so yeah we'll see but here's a point i gotta make and this is the spoiler story Okay. <laughs> so skip ahead a few minutes, Peter. This is like I. This could not be. This might not be real. Okay. But if it okay. is, it's going to reinforce my opinion about it shouldn't be a surprise to us if they revive Iron Man or Black Widow. This is a plot synopsis for Deadpool three. Um. So you have been warned. You okay with me reading this, Peter? Yeah, not, I think oh, I've already oh, heard this right. actually. <laughs> Deadpool three is about the TVA. Picking up the prime versions of each hero to create a multi-multiversal army to fight the Kangs, and they've picked Hugh Jackman's Wolverine to recruit, but he's not fully on board. Right. Okay. This is what the movie's about. That sounds great. Awesome. I'm totally with that. But that bring but that whole they're picking up the prime versions of each hero. Well, we got to go get Tony Stark Iron Man and we got to go get Black Widow and we got to go get Steve Rogers and we got to go get. You know what I mean? Like, we need the original six. So. That's that's where I sit on that. I'm like, we should not be
1: surprised to see them again. And, you know, you know, the way that you're talking about this gives me a more like more faith that they could pull this off in a really satisfying way you know like it could be cool to see Deadpool just traveling all the corners of the multiverse and getting yeah. <laughs> these different characters and like it it would be, it be so cool to, to t- killing all the ones that don't work and we still get Deadpool kills the multi <laughs> MCU <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just thinking about like I don't know I just think it'd be cool to see like you see Deadpool drop in on some iteration of uh stark tower or something like that and uh, you have this other multiverse version of tony stark working on something and you just hear like an acdc riff in the background and just like or you know like he he goes and tries to recruit um captain america or something and you hear the avengers theme and i'm just picturing if they play it up right they could really have like some goosebumps inducing moments in the theater so that's kind of what i'm hoping for and uh it, it's really hard to know what to think of this because it seems like is Marvel just throwing spaghetti at a wall and seeing what sticks or are they going to make some really calculated, smart choices with this? And uh, that's kind of I, I just don't know how it's going to play out. Um, yeah. So either way, with the Deadpool movie, I'm hoping it's funny <laughs> if they don't pull it off. But the more I think about it, the more faith I have that they could do some really cool stuff with this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um,
0: All right. And final story of the night, which is this one just made me laugh. So, you know how we have all these rumors that Taylor Swift is going to be in the Deadpool three um, as and playing the role of Dazzler. And then if you watch and you're and we all know that famous football game that Taylor Swift appeared on with uh, because she was there for Travis Kelsey. (laughs) It's the most famous
1: football game of all time.
0: Most famous football, the most famous football. This trumps every Super Bowl. It's nuts. Most famous football game of all time. Um, If you watch the footage, there's a really cool shot that someone posted of the footage going, hold on. Taylor Swift isn't the important part of this clip. And they show Taylor Swift and the camera pans and standing right next to her is Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman. Right. Right. And the question is, is she are they just happen to be in the same box like celebrities? Just that's where the celebrities go. Or is she going to be in Deadpool three as a dazzler for real? Um, What's really great about all the rumors and the Internet running wild about this. Sean Levy, director of Deadpool three, has weighed in on this stating and I quote, that sounds like a really great idea. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Like that's his response. That is so funny because he's not there's no confirmation there's no denial it's just that sounds like a fun idea <laughs>
1: <laughs> And it's exactly what the uh, team behind the Deadpool movies would say you know it's a, right. it's exactly what he would say in that moment because it's just like just cryptic enough to for, to leave people wondering but it doesn't confirm or deny whether it's going to happen yep. so I love that <laughs> Yep yep Um that's about it for the news man so,
0: okay, fun stuff. Know, we talked about some stuff. We might see Taylor Swift in Deadpool. <laughs> you know, we might get to see Iron Man in Deadpool. Who knows? Um, All right. You ready to talk about tonight's list? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool, let's do it. Uh, we're going to roll the thing, and we'll be right back. And now for the top five.
1: Hey, Peter, this was your pick this week. So what are we talking about? Uh, This is a list that I've been sitting on for a while. Um, It's kind of one of those lists that I feel like was inevitable. Like at some point we were going to cover this topic. And uh, what better time than after Halloween? You know, after our Halloween episode when we're talking about blood and guts and gore and horror movies and crazy stuff like that. I thought it'd be fun as a nice palate cleanser to talk about lighthearted things, to talk about stuff that's funny, to talk about jokes, and to talk about our top five favorite uh, stand-up comedians. Um, So that's what we're going with this week. And uh, this one was fun for me. Um, I feel like a while back I was actually kind of like dabbling into the comedy world or sorry the comedy nerd world is what i meant to say a lot like i was listening to a lot of uh stand up comedian podcasts and stuff and uh i was like so tempted to throw my hat in the ring and actually try doing stand up comedy and i never <laughs> i never made it that far but uh i did really like enjoy delving into that and i i haven't necessarily kept up with stand up comedy in the way that i i think i was a lot more versed in it like 10 years ago or so, but uh, I still love the uh, the topic. And uh, I think this is just going to be fun to see uh, who everybody, or, you know, who we both pick for this one. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on the list, Drew, or uh, so yeah, thoughts, where you're sitting with this one. So my thoughts on this are interesting
0: because, yeah, I think it's cool that we've, well, we've one, We've never done this, so let's talk about it. But the... I got really into the comedy boom of the nineties. Right. Right. Really into it in this, in the level that like, so you and me and our brothers, I'm the oldest. So there were nights that, you know, when I was younger, before I started driving and stuff that, you know, mom and dad would go out and they'd ask me to babysit. And, I would like literally be like yep, absolutely I'll babysit because what would happen is is you guys would go to bed and I would stay up and watch all the comedians on like HBO and Showtime and BH1 when they and Comedy Central and like all just I just sit and watch stand up comedians. Um and I loved it. And um it taught me a lot about humor, it taught me a lot about timing, it taught me about how about line delivery, like I loved it. It was great. But I got really into that comedy boom. And um it made me and it made this list incredibly difficult to do for me because i was so into comedians at the time and i've never really stopped being into comedians and paying attention to what they say yeah. and the jokes they tell and like sometimes sometimes they get political and they're making the jokes but the political statement's still there the social commentary and stuff and it's sometimes it's very brilliantly written in and weaved through and it made it very difficult this also because I got into that comedy boom, it made me get into some of the old comedy stuff too, like the stuff that you know doesn't hold up anymore because times have changed and we live in a different world. But it made me like look into some of the old comedians as well. So I was like, this is not easy to do. Um, I feel like my list is a little more modern and it's a little like, wow, like, 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 hey, this guy hasn't been around for a while, but he's still now like currently one of my favorites. So I found this list difficult, but hey, that's what you can do. So. <laughs>
1: I I think my list is super modern, um, and that's kind of just because, like, the time that I was most into stand-up comedy was, like, around, like, the early 2010s, you know, I was listening a lot to, like, the Nerdist podcast and, um, you know, Mark Maron, uh, Pete Holmes podcast, like, a lot of the guys who were really big um, in podcasting, like, around that time, there's a lot of just, like, really good comedians who had that stuff and i think that was like i think because of that a lot of my picks are super modern but i did th- try to throw in a couple classics there so um i have a uh, two honorable mentions well, before um, you go
0: any f- i do too but before you go any farther did you ever watch the show at midnight chris hardwick's
1: uh comedy central show I've seen some episodes. I didn't watch it religiously, but yeah, that's that's actually would be a pretty fun one to go back and revisit. It, but uh... I
0: know I didn't see every episode, but I watched it religiously in the sense is, this is gold why doesn't a show like this exist anymore. <laughs> and if you've never seen At Midnight, it's a show about with it's a game show and it's only for comedians and the whole point is for them to <coughs> earn points by telling jokes so as long as you make the audience laugh you get points and the, the points are ultimately pointless it's just we're trying to you know like as you got to think fast you got to come up with it quickly and it's it was some of the funniest stuff they've done and i just i think it's fantastic and it's too bad that show didn't last any longer but hey <laughs>
1: it is what it is um I'm, now i'm kind of curious can you even stream that anywhere <laughs> at this point <laughs> Uh, Like I kind of see if I can actually find it, but uh, that'd be a fun one to revisit. But uh,
0: I I think I think
1: you should. There's a one of my
0: favorite episodes. uh, Matt Myra from so Chris Hardwick from Nerdist hosts the mm -hmm. show. Matt Myra, who was on the show with him, um, who was on Nerdist with him, was a contestant on At Midnight one episode, and there was a joke really, really early on about showering with your father, and. As it was like it was like one of the first jokes of the episode, everyone laughed. Whatever they got the point. Um, Matt Myra then, as Chris Hardwick moved on from segment to segment to segment, he kept trolling Chris Hardwick throughout the entire show. Like everything he did was like anti what Chris wanted to do, and it was getting <laughs> funny. But you could see Chris getting frustrated with it. Like and eventually Chris freaked out and goes, "Matt, you've been." trolling this entire episode talking about this you're not doing this you're arguing with me about this like what the heck and matt goes it's probably because i showered with my dad <laughs> and it was so like it was just the callback to the original joke but it took like the, it was like the long plan it was so funny anyway um no seriously at midnight if you can get a chance to watch it just because it's stand-up comedians doing what they do best and they're just riffing and it's on the fly and it's all made up on the spot and it was really funny so um nice yeah anyway so honorable mentions um i have two as well so i guess i gotta go first right yeah okay so the first one um is jim gaffigan i'm like i don't know if i should i'm not gonna bury the lead i'm just gonna give you the name jim gaffigan is my first honorable mention um i think he's hilarious um he's very family friendly if you will like anyone can watch him and (laughs) and, like his jokes land for like all ages he's very good humor um Jim Gaffigan's Pop Tart bit is P- Pop Tart, Hot Pocket, not Pop Tart. Yes, yes, Hot yes, Pocket Hot bit is probably the best. Um, it's it's one of my absolute favorite Jim Gaffigan moments. But that whole stand up, that whole specific special uh, that that came from is fantastic. And I like how sometimes he gives the like, and I don't know if he still does it because there's some he's got some stand up specials that I haven't watched, but. Um, there's some, um, uh, he when he does the internal monologue of the audience, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so
1: funny. Um, he does that high pitched voice, that like, high pitched I didn't voice know he used. was going to be talking about this, and like, I don't know, it's, it's right. so funny to listen to him right. go it's off. So, it. it's,
0: it's so funny, and <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, and he talks a lot about food too, but yeah, <laughs> which I think is interesting. But no, Jim Gaffigan's really
1: great. Uh, he's got, he, I think. Most of his specials are on Prime if you want to watch them. So that sounds that sounds like fun. I should look some of those up. Um, So we totally matched. I'm kind of surprised. But Jim Gaffigan was the first honorable mention that I was going to bring up, too. Um, And here's the genius behind Jim Gaffigan, because, Drew, you say he's family friendly, which is true. He is very family friendly for the most part. But you don't realize it. Like, you don't, you don't watch him and say, like, oh, this is a clean comic. He just is, like, his jokes are that good that you don't realize it. And the other genius with him that I think is, like, you mentioned the Hot Pockets joke. He also has, he's got, like, I don't know how many minutes where he just jokes. Like, he just riffs about cake, like, different kinds of I cakes. Know. <laughs> and, like, the, the genius of his comedy is he takes the most mundane, like, simple things, and he can just make them hilarious by like looking at them at a different perspective that you never thought of but you also kind of always knew was true and uh no he's great so I'm just really surprised that we both matched right out the gate like that you know what I mean (laughs) yeah
0: that is funny that we matched right out the gate I guess that throws it back to me which I worried that we're gonna match right now again um the only reason the only reason this guy is an honorable mention for me is because I feel like he's very new still. He's not, he's like at the top of the world right now, but he's kind of still new. And that's Nate Bargatze. He he just recently hosted Saturday Night Live. I don't know if you are familiar with Nate Bargatze or not. He has very dry humor and it's very observational to the point where like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel about it, but I've never put it into those words before. And like, it's just the way we all think like, yeah, of course. Yep. That's, that's how it is. (laughs) But at the same time, um, he, uh, he's, he's also another family friendly, um, uh, comedian like Jim Gaffigan is very clean. I think he, he, he tries to make his standups for everyone. Um, they do get a little niche in the fact that some kids might not laugh at the jokes because they're not married and they don't get that joke. But that's OK. But he's still like anybody <laughs> watching um, nice. his current special. His most recent one <laughs> that he's touring with right now is on Amazon. It's great. It is literally like it's so good. Um, so, yeah, definitely watch
1: Nate Bargatze If you don't know him, uh, you really should. Um, yeah. OK, I, I actually am not. Familiar with Nate Bargatze? Like I really? feel like I might have seen a clip or two bummed. of him, but I'm almost bummed. He's got his first two <laughs>
0: albums. His first album, I think it's shoot. What is it? I forget what the first uh album was called, but his first two were pretty good. His first one is like there's some jokes in my opinion that didn't land. I think the way he wanted them to, but that's it's not that they're not funny. It's that he's starting out and it's like early, like that early stage because comedians are very hit and miss. They you know, there's a lot of factors to it. You know what I mean? Um, the, and there's a lot of testing things out, if you will. Um, with, uh, with the first two, I think they're really funny. There's a lot of really good stuff. This newest one that's on Amazon is just fantastic. So yeah, you should, Peter, you really should check out Nate Bergazzi. Um,
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll put it on the list. Put him on the list. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I just uh, haven't been exposed to a lot of his stuff, so... Yeah, it's um, okay. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so my uh, next honorable mention, I actually went with uh, Kumail Nanjiani, um, who... I don't know how active he is right now as a comedian, because I feel like at this point, most people know him from his acting career, obviously, or oddly enough, like they know him for his role in the Eternals or uh, the movie he did, The Big Sick or, um, uh, you know, other acting roles he's he's appeared in. but. He um, I knew him first and foremost from um, just being a stand up comedian from stuff like The Nerdist. Like we mentioned that podcast a lot already <laughs> on this episode. But, you know, from appearances on The Nerdist or um, maybe like G4 appearances he had and stuff like that. But I just think Kumail Nanjiani is hilarious. He's one of those comedians who you can tell he riffs with the audience sometimes. Like some of the if you watch one of his sets, some of it always tends to be like there always tends to be a lot of improv but he just like he's just really good he's really quick-witted and uh one thing that i like about him is he does like this is kind of like kind of a side note almost but he does a lot of jokes about like just movies and like music and stuff that he that you can tell he likes like uh i don't he i know he has like some really good bits on like the dark knight like as a movie and uh one of my favorite jokes of his is uh I was watching some stand-up bit with him, and he started out, and he's like, according to, uh, I think it's Ice Cube, he's like, according to the Ice Cube song, it's a great day. Didn't even have to use an AK. (laughs) he just goes, by that logic, every day of my life has been a great day. (laughs) He's like, I've had nothing but great days my whole life. And uh, no, I don't know. I think Kumail is hilarious. Um, I can't really do justice to any of his bits, but uh, no, he's... He's, he's great. So Kamal and Johnny is absolutely fantastic and he's
0: Indian. So he tells some really good stories about India, which, you know, we can't relate to, but he's got this, you know, we can't relate to the way he can. However, he sells it to the point where it's really funny. And um, he's got this great story about and I don't remember which stand up it is, but it's a great story. And I don't know if you've heard it, but it's the one where he gets the porn tape stuck in the VCR. Sounds familiar. And to, to not <laughs> let his parents catch him, he takes the VCR down to, like, the shop to get repaired. But he tells the guy that he got the tape stuck. So but he doesn't. But he's also trying to, like, uh, deal with the embarrassment of, like, what's in there. Um, so he's got to get the guy to open up the VCR to get the tape out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And the guy knows exactly what's going on. No, I'm sorry. He opened up the VCR to get the tape out, but he couldn't put it back together properly. Nice. So he took all the parts <laughs> down to the shop to explain it to the guy, like, hey, I broke the VCR. And the guy knows exactly why he broke the VCR. <laughs> like, That's awesome. It's fantastic. Yeah, Kamel Nanjani is great. He's a really good comedian, and you're right. I don't think I've really seen him do much since uh, his Marvel stuff in Eternals. So um, he does have a movie, uh, The Big Sick. Yep. Yeah. Um, which is absolutely wonderful um it's funny it's charming it's this heartfelt story it's a true story about his life but it is it is wonderful um so yeah check that out that's
1: that's what's kind of cool about that movie too is uh just through like listening to his uh old podcasts and stuff i kind of knew the story going in but it is a really cool like you said heartfelt like love story so uh yeah yeah good stuff anyway um, so that brings me to my first
0: actual pick of the night. And I went with Dana Carvey. Oh, uh nice. Good now, call. I remember, I got into the comedy boom in the 90s and I've kept with it. So watching all these comedians now, watching comedians back then, Dana Carvey is uh, from Saturday Night Live. He's half of Wayne and Garth from uh, Wayne's World. Um, his stand-ups were genius. And I think they still hold up. I think Dana Carvey is one of the funniest guys out there. He's got some great, impressive, he, like impression work. He can really do some really good impressions of uh, politicians and famous people and stuff like that. Um, he He's, he's fantastic. Um, I've always liked Dana Carvey. I don't think I've ever seen him tell a bad joke, to be completely honest. Um, but, yeah, that's my pick. I don't have any specific bits I want to latch on to, but, yeah.
1: Yeah, th- I didn't really think of him for this list, but he's such a good call. Like he, I feel like his older stand-up stuff, like his old s- specials and stuff, would hold up. But he is just, he's so good. And uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to even know what to say without just going into old bits. But yeah, this is a really good call. Uh, Dana Carvey was a legend, so. Yeah, anyway, um, what do you got? Yeah, so. Uh, some of these, by the way. Is these are
0: stand-up comedians. I have a feeling some of them might be short, little like things we got to say about them. There's not a lot unless you got to go look them up and watch. So, yeah. Um, now since we're saying them all, your phone is probably hearing this, and your phone's going to bring all the clips for you anyway. <laughs> Perfect.
1: <laughs> all hail our uh, robot overlords, as I always say. Um, but yeah, my my next pick, I actually went with uh, Brian Posehn. Um, oh, nice. Brian Posehn is hilarious. Um, if you think you don't know this guy, you definitely do. He is the big, tall, nerdy guy who plays a ton of bit roles in various movies and shows. Like he was in the Big Bang Theory. He was in. Yep. Yep. Exactly. He was in Sarah Sal- uh, Sarah Sal- Silverman's show. I'm having trouble talking right now, <laughs> but he's been in so many different. Shows Like, you definitely know him. Uh, he's the big, tall, nerdy guy with the glasses. But little did I know, you know, I grew up watching so many sitcom sitcoms and stuff and seeing him appear all over the place. But little did I know he was also, like, a really hilarious comedian. And he's also a really huge nerd. And I really loved that he kind of, like... It, when you follow his career, like, he always played weird, nerdy guys on TV. But he really, in his personal life and in his comedy, he really embraced that and kind of became, like, an ambassador to uh, nerd culture, if you will. Like, uh, probably my favorite special of his is, uh, it's called Advanced Fart and Wiener Jokes, <laughs> which is obviously a riff on advanced dungeon, Dungeons and Dragons. But uh, yeah, yeah. that one's great because it's, like... You know, you have jokes going from the uh, D&D references to like heavy metal jokes. Brian Posehn's like a huge metal head, too. So he's always got some great like uh, just metal tidbits thrown in there. But uh, no, I, I just love him. He's like a great personality and he's uh, he's really funny. Um, I think he's the only person on my list who I've actually seen perform live. Um, and this was this would have been early 2010s, you know, probably about 10 years ago. There's a. Uh, small uh, music venue that's actually not around anymore, but it's in the same town that I went to college to. And uh, it's kind of like the small venue that would typically have like just random indie bands and stuff that would play there. And Brian Posehn actually performed there once. And uh, I went with some friends and it was amazing. But it was also weird because you're in this sort of like sweaty caught co- like sweaty cramped coffee house is really what it was mm-hmm. and everybody's standing there watching brian Posehn on the stage and we're all standing like we're at a concert, like there is no chairs. So everybody's standing like they're watching a band and Brian <laughs> was standing there on stage. And it was awesome. But it was just weird because usually you're used to a stand up comedy show where you have like, you know, bleachers or seating and stuff like that. And it was just an interesting venue. But uh, it, it was pretty awesome at the same time. So.
0: Yeah, I've never actually gotten to see him live. Several, most of the comedians on my list,
1: I have not gotten to see live, so. I want to say he played, he did a set at C2E2 one year as well. Um, But I might be wrong on that. I know I saw Patton Oswalt at C2E2, like in the early 2010s, and I feel like Brian Posehn might have done that as well, but I might be wrong there, so. All right. Well, all right, so my next one is Dennis Miller.
0: Uh, this oh, is another classic. one um, classic in the sense of classic in the nineties, like late nineties. Um, he, his standups were great in the sense that, you know, standup comedians move around a lot. They grab the microphone. They walk back and forth. <laughs> it was one of those guys who doesn't do that. He microphone, he walked up hands in one pocket, talked with his other one and just talked. Some of the things that came out of his mouth were great. He talked quickly He talked to the point. He made a lot of it was a lot of political humor. Um, But it was also um, it was just really funny how he structured the joke. Um, And then he ended up getting an HBO show, the Dennis Miller show or Late Night with Dennis Miller or whatever it was called at the time. Um, But he's I, I think I thought he was one of the funniest comedians out there. And he was one of those things where when you're watching Comedy Central. So, yeah, HBO had the specials that would air you know that kind of stuff but when you're watching like comedy central or vh1 used to run uh comics uh late night too so i'd kind of bounce between those three channels when i was watching all the 90s comedy stuff um dennis miller you would you bounce and you're like oh it's not dennis miller okay and like i feel like they didn't play his stuff enough you'd bounce and you're like all right you'd watch like jonathan silverman and then you bounce over and you'd see like adam ferreira and then you'd be like oh sweet dennis miller's on and then you jump over and there's dana or like, oh there's robin williams like oh like you know like I never felt like Dennis Miller was on enough, but yeah. Anyway, I just, I always thought his humor was fantastic. Um, he has not been around for a long time. I know he's probably long retired
1: at this point. But. There was, um, I feel like it was Saturday Night Live, but I might be wrong, but there was some program I was watching where they did a parody of Dennis Miller's comedy, and I thought it was really funny because the joke was that, he references so many like deep cut things when it comes to like philosophers and political (laughs) writings and stuff like the amount of references in his material go so deep that he's really hard to follow what he's saying and I thought it was a funny bit but when it comes down to it Dennis Miller is like he's so funny and he's such a great comic and he kind of had like a cool like he had like a really it sounds weird but in the 90s he had this sort of like youth youthful rebelliousness to his comedy and i say that it's kind of silly because i think he was in his like 30s at the time but he did have that sort of like voice of the rebellious youth culture thing going i think it's because of some of his uh political takes and stuff back then but uh yeah good call with this one yeah all right man uh what do you got for me yeah so my next one um i actually went with uh bo burnham um drew i don't know are you a fan of bow bo burnham at all i don't know it is yeah not really okay <laughs> Fair enough. I, this is one that i didn't know if you were super familiar with or not but no
0: this bo was, burnham, as soon as you said the name i'm like i yeah i stumble over my words in the sense that i don't know enough to respond so go ahead i got i got
1: gotcha. you <laughs> um so so this one um I really like Bo Burnham because this is somebody who, has, who I've followed since he was just a YouTuber. So this is obviously a much newer stand up comic than some of the other oh, people we've okay. been talking about. But that's why? So go ahead. <laughs> so this is um this is like this is a guy who um, at the time, I guess he was like late teens, early 20s. And I remember hanging out with uh, our younger brother, Sean, and some of his friends back in the day. And uh, one of his friends, I don't remember what we were doing. We were just kind of hanging out at somebody's house. And one of his friends was very adamant about watching this guy, Bo Burnham, on YouTube. And he just kept relentlessly playing Bo Burnham videos and Bo Burnham was just this kid who was like sitting in his room at I'm sure is what was his parents house and playing like the keyboard and singing just these stupid songs that he made up so he he had a song about Helen Keller that's extremely offensive and I guess he really doesn't <laughs> endorse that song anymore uh, but he had some other like just really clever Sort of songs like he did a lot of like rap songs and just a lot of goofy songs. And uh, I went through this experience of this kid playing all these videos from thinking that it was kind of funny, but also kind of annoying to the point of being like, no, this guy is just really, really clever. And uh, Bone Burnham kind of like his his career kind of went off from there where he started slowly getting, I don't, I feel like he got a, uh, movie role or a bit part on a TV show or something. He got his foot in the door of like the Hollywood, like comedy world. And he kind of just took off from there and you'd start seeing him randomly show up here and there, just in bit little places until eventually he had like his own, uh, comedy central. I think he did a comedy central presents episode. And then he had his own, Comedy Central special and he's released specials from there but he is really funny he's got a very dry sense of humor and he really loves wordplay like you listen to some of his stand-up bits and some of his especially his songs his songs are so intricate with the wordplay like uh I can't remember the name of it but if you look up the lyrics it's his song that's uh he has this song that the chorus is I hate catchy choruses and I'm a hypocrite and it like kind of repeats that. And it's just like, you know, it's so catchy. It gets stuck in your head. If you listen to that song, it's like every single word of the song has some sort of double meaning, like it's just filled with puns and you have to listen to it like three times to be like, wait, okay, I get that. I get that. Oh, wait, I missed that. I'm going to rewind it. Oh, that's what he meant. And it's like it's so intricately put together that I just love it. But it's also really hilarious. And uh, he's an interesting comedian because he went from kind of doing these goofy comedy songs to doing comedy specials. That's kind of a mix between like his dry, sarcastic humor and Mm. uh, the songs he'd put together. And then he went on to do like his last few specials have been almost not even comedy, kind of more just like performance art and like music shows but it's still funny in a weird way. And it's kind of really interesting to see. He's one of those people who started off making, like, these goofy gag songs. And he went to kind of just making art in a weird way. And it's kind of really cool to see his evolution in that way, if that makes sense. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. I just... Yeah, all right. I'll have to check him out. Uh, you yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Definitely look him up. Even if it's just, like going on Spotify and listening to his number, you know, his top couple songs, like, yeah, he, he's he's really cool with uh, the way he puts everything together, so. All right, cool. Um, I'm going to go back into the modern realm of
0: things. Uh, this is a newer comedian um, who I have absolutely, who I absolutely adore right now, um, and um, I've always, now, this is not a sexist statement, but I've always... <laughs> To me, there's very few female comedians that I find funny. Um, Not that they're not, not that women can't be funny. It's just there's very few that I find funny in comparison. Um, And this is one that really hit me hard. um, And she's absolutely amazing. And that's Taylor Tomlinson. Um, I don't know if you've seen her stand-ups, Peter. Um, The first, her first two are on Netflix. I think her first one's better than her second. Um, And then she's got a new one that's being toured right now. So hopefully that lands on Netflix soon because they really want to watch it. Um, But she is unbelievably good. Like it's nice. It's a line delivery thing. It's a facial reaction thing. It's a wordplay thing. Like she hits on all these levels and like some of the things you relate to um, and some of them, you're just like, that's, you know, like, you're like, I've been like one, it's like, I've straight been there and know exactly what you're talking about. And then, you know, there's things that, you know, she talks about and you're like, yes, that's exactly, you know, it's, it's so good how she structures her jokes and how she puts everything together and tells the stories that she's telling. Um, and then, uh, she apparently is going to be hosting the after midnight show that airs after, uh, Stephen Colbert, um, found that out, uh, this morning, <laughs> So good for her. Um, But yeah, I think she's fantastic. Uh, You should check her out, dude. She's really, really good. So,
1: yeah, I don't know if I've really watched any of her stuff. Uh, Like I said, I've kind of been outside of uh, the comedy nerd realm for a bit, but I have heard her name thrown about a lot. So I think, um, yeah, I'll definitely have to check her out see what all the fuss is about. But uh, yeah, that yeah, so, sure. sounds really cool. Um, and in terms of like which one
0: came first, if you watch, like I said, I think the first one's funnier than the second. They're both fantastic. I just think the first one's funnier than the second. Um, if you choose to watch them in a specific order, the dates are attached to them on Netflix so you can see which one came first. Um, so, yeah. Nice. And I didn't I don't think I knew that with the stand-up comedy stuff on netflix but the the dates are on there so yeah anyway taylor tomlinson everybody watch it it's fantastic so go ahead
1: yeah yeah so my next one um we've actually (laughs) we've actually been talking about this a lot but uh i actually went with uh chris hardwick um i really i really like chris hardwick's comedy i feel like he hasn't done a lot for a while um and i really loved uh The Nerdist Podcast and, uh, like, The Nerdist Way, his book was great, too. I know that he had, um, like, a really awkward sort of, like, section of his career where he um, had some allegations against him. And as far as I know, all that stuff kind of uh, fell through, like it was all false allegations. And I know he's still doing... I can't remember what it's called. I know he's still doing a game show, like hosting that right now. But uh, no, Chris Hardwick, I just I always thought he was really funny. um, And I really like that he um, I think the Nerdist, like kind of originally like being his brainchild of like doing this podcast. And then eventually it became the website that brought us a bunch of other things. It did so much to uh, bring nerd culture to the forefront. And I feel like. You know, in your world of MCUs and Big Bangs and Walking Deads, I feel like the Nerdist probably doesn't get as much credit as it probably deserves as far as um, really culminating, you know, what nerd culture is today. You know what I mean? So, um, Drew, I know you like Chris Hardwick a lot, too. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one or anything like that. but uh... Chris Hardwick... um... I really wanted to put him on my list, but that's the thing where
0: I I was struggling with the fact that I was into so many old comedians versus new comedians. Right, right. That stuff. I think Chris Hardwick, I think a lot of his jokes, um, I sometimes feel like he's a little too early. Like, his jokes are so, like, on point and to what's really happening in the world that I feel like a lot of his humor is so ahead of the time. And it's not a interesting. It's not negative. It's just that sometimes I think the, like... I'm on point with Chris Hardwick because I keep up with that part of the world. So like when he makes jokes about stuff, it's like, yeah, I'm with you. And I know exactly what you're talking about because I'm there too. I know exactly. I get you. But I feel like some people don't keep up the way we do. So the jokes land to a specific group. (laughs) Yeah. If you know what I mean. But no, I think Chris Hardwick is one of the funniest comedians out there. And I don't think there's enough. I don't think he does enough stand up. And I'd like to see him back in the ring again. Um, yeah. I know he's in a situation where he, you know, has his family and he's got a, he's a new dad and all that stuff. So I get that. But being a new dad just means you might have some really great dad jokes and not dad jokes <laughs> the way you think of a dad joke. But it's that <laughs> idea that I'm a father now and this is my experience, you know, so.
1: A- absolutely. Um, And just related to um, you're going to have to help me out here. But he has that joke about is it a Kigurumi? Is that what it's called? K- the uh... Kigarami. Yeah. Kikarami. Yeah, he's got the jokes about him and his wife wearing um, <laughs> Kikaramis, which are like these. Yeah, and then the pizza guy shows up or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's like, they're basically, for anybody who doesn't know, they're like these like Japanese onesie sort of suits that look like animals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're really cute. And uh, he says in, in the bit, like, uh, oh yeah, people wear these to anime conventions and stuff. Like, it's really niche. And uh, what's funny is like, That joke came out, like, just to what you were saying, that joke came out before, like, anime and, like, anime culture is in the forefront of pop culture in a way now that it wasn't, like, a few years ago when he made that joke. And it's just kind of... It is an interesting point, like, maybe some of his jokes are too niche and, like, yeah, maybe a little bit ahead of their time. So that's a, a really interesting point, you know?
0: Well, it's ahead of the time in the sense that I want and I think it'd be really fun to do you know how like you know everyone gets together for New Year's Eve I think it'd be really funny to have a New Year's Eve Kigurami party where right where everyone who comes has to have a Kigurami <laughs> and some people are like why I'm like because it's funny like it doesn't need to make <laughs> any more sense than that it's just I think it'd be funny and um And I also think it'd be funny if someone ordered a pizza. But that's predicating off of Chris Hardwick's bit. The idea still is, like, could you imagine if the pizza guy shows up to the door and, like, everyone's wearing (laughs) (laughs) Kigarami's?
1: Like, what is happening in that house? Um, There is strength in numbers, so uh, it might not be as awkward. Uh, One thing I will throw out there, just last bit on Chris Hardwick, at the beginning of the show... (laughs) Uh, at the beginning of this episode I called Halloween the uh cosplay holiday, and that actually is a really old <laughs> nerdist podcast throwback. Uh there was a point where uh Jonah Ray, who is another great comedian who was on that podcast, was complaining because he doesn't like he didn't like the term cosplay. He's like, just call it dress up. It's not like nobody's calling Halloween the cosplay holiday. <laughs> so I thought that'd be a funny uh, yeah. little throwback to bring up. So yeah.
0: All right, man, I guess that throws it back to me, huh? All right. Yeah. So I went with David Cross. Um, Ooh, OK. David Cross and this guy, he does a lot. of He does a bunch of political humor, but he is a very. Like he shoots from the hip, man, he does not hold back. He will touch on race. He will touch on diversity. He will touch on all these things. And he does it in this really great manufactural kind of way that makes you like it makes you think, but it also makes you laugh, and everyone can laugh at it. Now, I I worry that because of the world we live in right now, David Cross is a little silenced because of the way he tells things. Because his stories and jokes and everything can get very dark very fast, but at the same time, you're you just I mean it's just great. Um, his album um Shut Up You Effing Baby is one of the I think it's one of the best comedy albums out there. Um, but yeah, dude, David Cross is great. Um, he's got a lot of really great, um, lot of really great bits. There's not one specific. I want to like tee up and say, check this out because I think all of his stuff is fantastic. So, um, he did have a, actually I'll do one. He did have one. It was at the end of the, the special was, it was dot, dot, dot America. Great. Dot, dot, dot. It was the special that came out right before Trump got elected. And um, at the end of it, he goes, he pulls out this thing. He's like, Before I go, I want to do one more thing. And he pulls out this thing, he says, I want to read to you from this thing. And he starts reading this like amazingly written, poignant, like speech about freedom and the country and where we should be going in, in the state of humanity and all this stuff. And then he opens it up so you can see what he's reading from. And it's a sales ad dinnerware <laughs> oh my gosh um, and then when he gets to the end of it and like so now that you've purchased your plate selection <laughs> like, it was so funny and like it was the point of the, it was it was really funny to watch him do that but that was like one of, that was the only prop thing i think i've ever seen him do but i could not stop laughing and i wish i could find the actual text because i i wanted to reread it but i've had trouble locating the actual text from that bit so
1: What's funny, what's funny about this episode is this is just reminding me of other comedians bits, because that reminds me so much. Of the, uh Have you ever seen the Lewis Black bit where he's talking about how advertisements nowadays like commercials will have something happen that has absolutely nothing to do with <laughs> the product? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you'll 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 t- tune in for a commercial and it'll be like, one day there were two rabbits hopping through the forest. And one of them died by a boat. (laughs) (laughs) And that reminds me of it so much, but with a weird uh, esoteric spin on it. But uh, good call with David Cross. I did not think of him, but he is hilarious and uh, kind of like Brian Posehn. He's another guy who's in so many movies and shows. And I think people don't realize how well they know his performances you know um, what I, I mean for
0: our younger audience david cross is in um the uh alvin and the chipmunks 2 <laughs> <laughs> the squeak will there you the go squeakquel. um yeah so yeah david cross man um anyway go ahead man what's your second to last pick of the night
1: yeah so here's one um i'm kind of curious if we matched on this one i'm almost kind of hoping but uh another very political comic but I went with uh, George Carlin, and uh, what's that? Is that okay? Yeah, George Carlin is one of those comics who, he's so hilarious, but I also think he's, like, when it comes to the political and social commentary that he would weave into his comedy, I feel like he is one of the most important voices when it comes to comics. Like, there's so much, like, anti-establishment, like intellectual points that he would bring in to his comedy but he would sell these really like esoteric points to you in such a matter of fact fact way that anybody could just relate to it and uh, i can't do justice to probably any of his bits but it's just if you listen to some of his stand-up comedy it's really beautiful like how i think sophisticated he can really put things you know when he's actually just up there on stage talking about stuff and he makes you laugh, but he also makes you think in a really sophisticated way. And I've also, I've always heard people compare him to, um, I don't know if they compare him to him, but I think they like put him up there with Richard Pryor, you know, like people refer to like Richard Pryor as the greatest comedian of all time. And I feel like they put George Carlin like at like a close second because he was just that good. But uh, for me, George Carlin's an interesting personality because this is somebody who – I love his comedy. I think I also I also really love his movie bits. I loved seeing him in, like, Bill and Ted. Of course, like, the Kevin Smith movies that he's been in have been great. But he's also a guy that you go back and you realize he was the narrator and the conductor from uh, all the Thomas the Train shows. You know, this is, like, somebody talking. who's <laughs> – yeah. He, well, he's like somebody who's been in my life since preschool and I didn't even know it. So he's just got that like he's just one of those pop culture forces. And uh, yeah, this is just I had to go with him. So I don't know. I don't know if you have any thoughts here, but uh, he he was a legend for sure. So. Um, so my thoughts on
0: this are we definitely matched. So George Carlin is my beautiful. Final, yeah. Um, George Carlin is by far my favorite comedian of all time. Um, I have several of his albums. I have listened to them over and over and over and over again. Um, almost everything he's ever done holds up. Very rarely does he have a joke that doesn't still hold up because of uh, timing, I guess. And when I say timing, I'm referring to when the joke was written compared to what the world we live in today.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. He... I think some of it, some of his bits, I think, have aged better with time
0: almost which there's is interesting a lot too. It's a lot of his bits that have aged better with time because of the messed up world we live in today.
1: Yeah, because and, because it's like the because now with the internet how aware people are of like you know when it comes to like big politics and you know all the uh, I mean I don't want to go down a rabbit hole but some of the stuff he was talking about I feel like people are so much more aware of now is basically what I'm saying. So it's like a lot of his jokes actually aged better, you know what I mean? So yeah. And he, and some of it is not necessarily
0: a joke where like at one point it was a joke and you'd cheer for it and be like, yeah. And now like when you look at the world we live in and then listen to what he's saying, like really listen, you're like, oh my God, this guy has a point. He knows everything. Listen closely, like listen closer. You know, like it's just some of the things he was talking about were just so incredibly like correct. Yeah. It's almost like. People today need to listen to this and start getting their stuff together because we live in such a weird place right now. Um, But no, George Carlin, um, you said you don't know his bits well enough, but one of the things he's really famous for is the five words you can't say on television. Which, oh, right, right. <laughs> because, you know, and he did – that's probably one of the bits he's most famous for. But, I mean, that was before you could say bad words on TV. Um, one of my favorite bits was an opening of a show. He came out and said, because of the FCC, I'm never sure what it is I'm allowed to say. So here's a list of the things I won't be saying tonight. And it's all this clean stuff. But it's also, like, really funny because he's like, You'll, you won't hear me say bottom line, game plan, hopeful scenario. Like, <laughs> you <know? Well>, he's <laughs> – <laughs> you know, and it's so funny, like listening to it. And he's like, we're not going to use any of that support group jargon because I'm not going to share anything with you. <laughs> you know, like nice. the way he the way he structured a joke. He's also known for lists. Um, and when I say lists like, yeah, the list of five words you can't say on television, but. He will, he's got a bit on the Ten Commandments. And he's like, we're going to take the Ten Commandments and we're going to throw them out, and here's what we're going to do. Well, these two you can combine. You make one commandment. Hey, this one's irrelevant because that's stupid. You know, like it's, <laughs> as he goes through, he's like, this one's too much like this one, so we can get rid of that one and combine it and reword it. You know? <laughs> nice. Um, he's got these really great bits like that. He's got one called Free Floating Hostility, and he starts it off going, this next bit is 24 things I'm bored with, pissed at, and done with <laughs> <laughs> you know so i hope you're ready for some random anger um he's got some really great stuff that he works on and i have always loved him as a comedian and it was sad when he had to go but like his stand up specials like they're just great and he looks at the world in a way i think a lot of us should in my personal opinion so yeah george carlin's my all time favorite comedian i knew i was talking about him tonight he was the first name i wrote down when you brought it up i'm like all right george carlin here we go so yeah awesome awesome yeah Anyway, what is your final pick of the night, man?
1: Yeah, um in typical fashion, like we had like such a really good like you know, heartfelt talk about George Carlin and uh I like to round out the show with something really stupid. <laughs> Well, not really stupid, but uh, somebody who's a lot more goofy to talk about. But uh, I went with uh, Nick Swardson, who isn't... Um, oh,
0: my God, isn't, so good. Anyway, go ahead. He's,
1: he's not necessarily as high, highly revered as George Carlin, but Nick Swardson is... Uh, I think he really is my favorite comedian. Um, he's got a very unique sense of humor that I think is hilarious, because when you listen to Nick Swardson talk about stuff, I feel like... Uh, It kind of feels like the way that me and my friends joke around about stuff. Like, I feel like it, in a weird way, it doesn't feel like your typical, like, you know set-up, punchline, sort of, like, joke thing. It kind of feels a little more random, a little bit more youthful to me, and I always related to his humor in that way. Um, Nick swordson has been in so many things. He's been in a ton of Adam Sandler movies. Um, he's one of the best parts of uh, <laughs> the movie's uh, Grandma's Boy, but I really love his, uh, his stand-up comedy so much. Um, there was a couple bits I wanted to mention, and I'm kind of, like, unfortunately it, uh, kind uh, of... It-
0: is it the one oh. where he's playing video games with his friends and the girl downstairs is like, what are you guys doing up there?
1: So, yes, that is one of the ones <laughs> I was thinking of. That's hilarious, <laughs> which I guess we, we can talk about that one unless I don't know if you wanted to take over for this one, but oh, I could sum ahead. it up. I just, if you no, want.
0: I just love that bit. It's one of the funniest <laughs> things. Like, what are you guys doing up there? Like, oh, we're playing video games. And she's like, oh, I thought you were shooting hardcore gay porno.
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then he goes off at what they're yelling at each other. And you yeah. can imagine like the way you yell at your friends when you're playing a first-person shooter like that. Um I think Nick Swordson has a big love for video games. Cause one of his other uh favorite one of my favorite bits that he has is the one when he's talking about classic arcade games, and he's talking about how Video games are getting so realistic, you know, and uh, I actually think this is funny because he has this joke where he's like, yeah, what in the future are you going to go to your friend's house? And you're going to be like, and then he just starts wildly punching into the air and like kicking and making all these weird (laughs) movements. And then he just stops and he goes, all right, good game, man. Good game. And I love that joke because that predates the Wii. It predates the Oculus, like a lot of this VR stuff. Like you can see that we were going in that direction, but When the Wii came out, I was like, oh, man, that Nick Swardson joke aged so well there. But then he starts talking about, I'm going to feel like such an awkward old man when I'm having to tell my grandkids about the games we used to play, you know, because my grandkids are going to be playing some crazy game. And I'm going to be like, oh, that's interesting. When I was your age, we used to play a game about a yellow circle. (laughs) And he right. would travel through a maze and eat dots. And then the kid's like, shut up, grandpa. I don't care. He's like, wait, but then he was chased by ghosts. <laughs> and then he like rattles off like a couple other classic arcade games. And then he's like, you know, at this point, my, my grandkids, you know, trying to get away from me and super annoyed. And I'm like, wait, I haven't told you about the frog who tries to cross the street. Um. But no, he, he has some great bits and I just think he's hilarious. And, uh, He's one of those guys who I kind of wish he was in more stuff. And I haven't really seen any. I mean, he might have had recent specials, but I haven't seen anything from him in a while. So I kind of wish he was a little bit more active, but uh, definitely, definitely one of my faves. So,
0: yeah, right on. Well, that brings us to the end of this list. Now, moving on to next week. Yeah. Um, um, I don't, in my, in my adding to Nick Swartzen, I think he's fantastic. I just didn't know what else to add from what you were
1: saying. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Sure. Thing. So, sorry. I
0: don't to bury that at all. No, you're good. Um, <laughs> anyway, so moving on to next week earlier in the show when you brought up Mahershala Ali and we talked about casting and you're like, you know, Hey, interesting cast choice, that kind of thing. I had this, I like, thought in my mind and something that's been bothering me about the acting community lately is. Do you remember the movie, the predator, Arnold Schwarzenegger predator? Or the I'm familiar with it is right. uh, an actor, Jesse Ventura, plays one of the soldiers in that movie, and he has a line in there that says, I ain't got time to bleed. Can you name me an actor now in today's society who can deliver that line? not sure. And I don't want to do dead air. Cause that's like a, that's like a radio. Oh yeah. no. And yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know if anyone could deliver that line. And it's not that he's better at delivering the line. It's like, it's not believable from any of our actors today. I think the only actor I could think of that could say that believably, and I'm dead serious when I say this is Jason Statham. Um, okay. but I don't, but I don't know if anybody else could. And I was thinking about it and, um, like, John Cena, I feel like is the perfect person to fit into an action film and kind of doesn't like it's it's always like it's an action film, but it's still a comedy. Like they don't make action (laughs) movies the way they used to. (laughs) Right, right. So the list we're going to do next week is action films in a general sense. And you're thinking to yourself, that's a big list. But here's the catch. I'm going to narrow it down. You can only choose action films from the year 1980 to 1999.
1: Okay, so
0: we're going old school action films, but I'm giving you a year range because I think there's some really amazing golden nuggets out there. And I think to myself sometimes when we do these episodes that certain movies don't come up in conversation and they really should do more so. And (laughs) I'm like, you know what? We're going to do action films from 80 to 99. So it's like a 20-year gap. That's it. What are your five favorite action films? Because I think there's some really amazing movies out there that don't get talked about enough that still hold up in my opinion. So.
1: Right. Yeah. So I'm not going to lie. I had no idea where you were going there for a bit. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's all right. Uh, but this sounds like a pretty fun list. Um, my question is as far as like action movies that are also like science fiction movies and stuff are there any limits on that sort of thing
0: no as far as i'm concerned if it, okay. if you can if you can argue it being an action film i'm down with it because that's okay. the whole point of the conversation man so it's
1: it's it is it is difficult cuz there's a lot of movies that could technically be action but i'll try to be uh As pure as as possible as I can with the uh, choices I go. with. And I think
0: I think when I say that you and all the conversations you and I've had about movies over the last five years, you have an idea of what's going on in my head.
1: But no, yeah, I know you mean there's that like 80s and 90s was like an action golden age in a lot of ways. It it really was was We
0: don't and we don't get those movies anymore. We don't get movies even remotely close to that anymore. And, I mean, we can argue, like, you know, uh, Chris Hemsworth has, the like, those two extraction films, which look great. I haven't – unfortunately, I haven't watched them yet, but they look good. And there's been a couple other action movies that I've seen pop up that have been pretty decent, but they don't make them the way they used to. Yeah, and, I would agree with that. You know, so, yeah. Nice. Um, they're, e- they're either super – they're either super too serious or they take themselves too seriously – or they're playing the comedy edge, and they're not as funny as they think they want to be. And I think the comedy can ruin it sometimes. So you got to find that fun <laughs> balance. And that's where the 80s and 90s came in, because they knew how to do action movies. <laughs> <So,
1: laughs> this will be fun. I do like the uh, they're not as funny as they think they are line. But, no, this will be and a I'm fun serious. list. <laughs> I'm not
0: saying those movies are bad. And I think that I, I do think that a lot of the newer stuff is good. It's just it's not the same i feel like this is level of standard they're trying to hold themselves to and that's not necessarily the way to make a movie so that's me though right on. Anyway, anyway so that's what we're going to do next week um anything to talk about before we got to go peter
1: no yeah we we did right. it another episode in the can, in in the can. <laughs> yep.
0: um all right everyone do us all a favor check out our website top there you'll find links to our social media and including our email top5report at gmail.com Social media, email, either way works, hitting us up. You can, uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon, Audible. You can hit us up on those, uh, you can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you'll not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars. But we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927.
1: Peter, what about you? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at NinjaPierre. And that's where I will be talking about how I don't want to hear about your post-Halloween blues or your post-convention blues. Dude, I'm still having my post-Catalina wine mixer blues. (laughs) (laughs) Catalina wine mixer. (laughs) Um, Yeah. All right, guys. For the Top
0: 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.